1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Royce O'Neill's been a big pickup for this Phoenix side. Durant connects. Dominic needs. Oh, no, he's not going to take a timeout. Looked like he was going to. And Nurkic throws it into the backcourt. Another chance for James. The scoop and the flush. Plenty of LeBron fans in the building. Soaking up every fast break opportunity for James, who now has 20 points. Bellinger now with 19 home runs, drives one in the air, left center, this ball's got a chance, goal! Sun Devils definitely feeling they can go toe-to-toe, one of the best teams in the conference. Sun Devils with numbers. Twenty nine turnovers for Washington today. Here's Love up top. Love converts, and he goes over two thousand points for his career. And an attendance record at Wake. One point eight to go. Duke down by four. On the inbounds, it's picked, and the party is done in Winston-Salem. Kyle Filipowski is being helped off by members of the Duke staff, and you saw the immediate bear hug surrounding him as this court storming is in full effect with Filipowski hobbled. Wow. That moment really jumped out at me last night watching film with Tennessee. Bam. So like a layup for Connect, and they are having so much fun tonight. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports zone guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Monday, February 26th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis in today's Sports Zone. Right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD 2 100.7. Suns or Lakers, which is more likely to make a playoff run? The Cubs, should they be favored to win the NL Central after re signing Cody Ballinger? ASU, did, did, they, did, they, did ASU figure something out on Saturday? Meanwhile, the U of A, did we learn anything on Saturday? Court storming, what changes should be made? The SEC, which team is most likely to have NCAA tournament success? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments about the introduction of today's pipeline. 10-15, a Kentucky basketball and SEC update also with T.J. Walker of a Kentucky roll call. 10.30, it is interactive action at 602-260-1060, also today's bottom line, and some local roundup items. Final segment of the sports zone will be the national roundup, including the latest line. Uh, not much happening tonight in college basketball. We will center on one game. Uh, from the scoreboard, a little bit from Sunday. Also, some rip from the headlines from the wire, all that in the national roundup. 
And then after the sports zone, of course, it's the extra point from 11 to 1, hosted by Kayla. Right now, on to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, which star-dominated team is more likely to make a playoff run, the Suns or Lakers? And Kayla is here and has the early returns. We're in a 50-50 split. I know how much you love those, so that's starting things off for us between the Suns and the Lakers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, the Suns and the Lakers didn't have a 50-50 split in the regular season. The Lakers did win three of the five regular season meetings. But the Suns really never in danger of losing on Sunday after an 18-1 run uh, that uh, was in the first between, uh, bridged the first and second quarters. Actually, that was all in the first quarter. My bad on that. Uh, the Suns ended up winning the game 123-113. to Meanwhile, today's X-Poll question, should the Cubs be favored to win the NL Central after after re-signing Valley product uh, Cody Bellinger? And once again, Kayla's still here and has the updated results. Haven't run away. Uh, Yes, leading the way (laughs) at 100% of the vote. This is over on X at KDOS AM 1060. But this is a runway, apparently, as opposed to the 50-50 thing that I loved before. Okay, we'll see how it goes. Uh, there are other teams in the division. Uh, Bellinger agreed to a three-year, $80 million contract, considerably less than was forecast at the end of last season for Mr. Bellinger. How did Scott Boris let that happen? Uh, meanwhile, on the local front, ASU spoiled Wazoo's championship blueprint. The Sun Devils led the majority of the game in Sunday's 70, excuse me, Saturday's 73-61 victory. Of course, that was less than 24 hours after Washington State Finished off the season sweep, uh, the regular season sweep at least, of the U of A on uh, Thursday night when they won in Tucson for a second consecutive year. Did ASU figure something out in their victory against Washington State? Meanwhile, the U of A still has not lost consecutive games under Tommy Lloyd. The Wildcats predictably cruised to an 81-75 victory over lowly Washington on Saturday afternoon in front of a lot of empty seats. Uh, at least uh, the bottom the bowl, uh, bottom bowl there. You'd see him on television. A lot of empty seats in Tucson. Uh, do we learn anything about the U of A's victory, uh, easy victory on Saturday against Washington? Spanning the globe, court storming in college basketball hit a new low on Saturday. Duke's best player Kyle Filipowski suffered a leg injury in a collision with Wake, Cor- Wake Forest fans, plural, uh, after Wake Forest defeated Duke 93 to 79, and which was pretty much by all the uh, with all the court storming uh, situation that that thing, this was a tremendous college basketball game, which nobody says a word about now because of the court storming after the game. What changes must be made for uh, court storming to be either eliminated or reduced, or what do you think should be done? Kentucky. They actually would have stolen the headlines on Saturday, or the headline, uh, but uh, they had the court storm. Uh, before the court storm, actually it was actually after the court storm. Sorry, I got my, my, my sequence of games mixed up here. But you know, Kentucky would have been the headline almost every Saturday. 
They scored 117, uh, 117 points, shot 63%, defeated uh, Alabama by 22 points uh, in Rupp Arena. Which SEC team do you think is most capable of making an NCAA tournament run? Most likely, I should say. I think they're probably all capable, depending on what day you actually watch them play. Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that's the pipeline for today. We've got to launch tremendous topics and much more during today's hopefully sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at x.com slash kdusam1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules, or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update that will be followed by some University of Kentucky basketball discussion and also around the SEC with T.J. Walker of Kentucky Roll Call. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, to be phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060. Also, some bottom line answers from the pipeline questions that you just heard. Time pending, we'll do some local roundup topped by some Suns and Lakers analysis from Sunday afternoon. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show, right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Your home of the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. Kentucky is, at least to me and I'm guessing others, the most unpredictable team in college basketball. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, probably never more so than the last 10 days, <laughs> which has been pretty, pretty crazy. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the sports zone by TJ Walker of Kentucky Roll Call. And TJ, uh, how's the Big Blue Nation handling this roller coaster ride? Okay, we're going to try to catch up with him. Some kind of situation here. Obviously, it's been a crazy last, just look at the last 10 days, roughly. You know, a couple of Saturdays ago, they go into Auburn. Auburn undefeated at home. Uh, before that game, Auburn had won every game at home by double digits. In fact, they'd averaged, uh, their average march of victory was more than 20 points. And uh, Kentucky goes in there and wins. And uh, remember, you know, last Monday at this time, saying, "Well, maybe they figured it out." Then they go to LSU. Uh, I don't remember if that game was Tuesday or Wednesday of last week, but early last week, 
and tell LSU, not a bad team. They just beaten South Carolina the Saturday before, uh, but uh, Kentucky blows a lead in the last few minutes, and uh, they actually get the lead back, uh, and they score, and then they give up the game-winning basket on a you know 94-foot beeline to the basket, and uh, Kentucky ends up losing that particular game. Then on Saturday, Kentucky scores 117 points and shoots 63% from the field, and they beat Alabama in Rupp Arena. So just to give you an idea, that's been a crazy 10-day sequence right there. And, uh, you know, we're still trying to catch up with TJ here. So hopefully we can do that. And uh, that's some kind of phone issue. Oh, we have them. All right. TJ, what's going on? How are we doing? How's the Big Blue Nation dealing with the roller coaster ride known as Kentucky basketball? Take two, right? I was going through my whole spiel, and I don't know, I, 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 doing radio, you're pretty used to making sure you're not on mute. I don't think I was, but uh, I get, must have got disconnected. I apologize. But, yeah, it's been a roller coaster of a season, like you said, the last three games especially. It's been since 2019, since Kentucky's made it out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, which is entirely yeah. too long. So the, the, the thing this season has been – the fan base is patient with this group, and they really like this group. They're young, they're explosive, they're fun, they've got a good personality to them. But some of the faults of the program over the last five or six years has fallen onto them, where there's this pressure that's no fault really to their own, but maybe to their head coach, where there's, this, there's the weight of the world on, on their back to make a big postseason run. They've got the offense to do it, they've got the star power to do it, but do they have the defense? And they're getting better. I know talking about a game where they almost gave up 100 points to Alabama isn't maybe the, the place to circle that they're making improvements defensively, but they really are, and we know that they can outscore or score with anybody in the country. So maybe they're clicking at the right time. It, we'd look at this team a lot differently if not for the heartbreaker in Baton Rouge on the last second shot, which was a wild play. Uh, but they're playing better. They're getting there, but there are some huge expectations with this team. Okay, you mentioned uh, you know the defense, and that's obviously been a, an issue. You don't even have to look at numbers or whatever. You just watch the games. You kind of wonder what's up with that. And then they had the game at Auburn uh, where they shut down Auburn, which had been really good offensively and good period at home. You know, so why has this defense been so inconsistent as uh, inconsistent at best, I would call it? Simply put, they're a team full of players that aren't great defensively. You know, when people are growing up and they're and they're learning and they're getting better at basketball, you'll say, "All right, your your path is going to be you're just a lead athlete or you're a star shooter." None of these guys on their resume would say shut down or lock down defender. And I don't think Cal was necessarily just trying to put together a team full of great offensive players. I think it just kind of worked out that way with this year. But they're not a great defensive team because they don't have a team full of great defensive players. It's kind of simply as that. Their guards can get blown by, and then their bigs are just mostly inexperienced, but they have a ton of potential. Yugana Onyenzo, he nearly had a triple-double just a few games ago and did set the Rupp Arena block record, which you got to think of all the great shot blockers that have come through U.K., whether they're in blue and white or play at Rupp Arena. Uh, did he beat David Robinson's record, or was it Shaquille O'Neal's? It was one of their. It wasn't even a UK player's block record that he beat at Rupp Arena. But they're just inexperienced, and they can get in foul trouble, and they get pushed around a little bit. So it's just a team of players that are still kind of learning how to connect on the defensive end. They're getting better. They've got a lot of potential, but it's not really any of their strengths. 
Okay, we're 27 games into the season. Is it too late for these issues to be rectified? No, no. Uh, luckily, with the way the college basketball season set up, it all comes down to March. So as long as it can click before then, and that's been a big topic of conversation in Kentucky, is just how, how good can it get and how bad is it? It was really, really bad at times, but – Look what they did at Auburn. You can't be a terrible, terrible defensive team or at least not have some potential on that end of the court to hold them to under 60 points at home. They had just put up, what, 100 and whatever against South Carolina the game before then. Some of that was Auburn was a little bit off. But this U.K. team can can improve on that end. It's never going to be their strength. They're always going to be somebody that should be trying to outscore and play fast pace. But there's been some teams that have slowed down the game against Kentucky effectively and Kentucky has still found ways to win those games. Now they have lost, but five of their eight losses by five points or fewer. Uh, I think they're. I think they're. I think it's all clicking here at the right time. Of course, famous last words with UK basketball. <laughs> they, we, we thought that last year. We thought it the year before that, and that was when the St. Peter's uh, upset happened. So you really never know in March. But this group, it's been a long up and down season, like you had mentioned. But it does seem like they're. They're, they're coming together at the right time, and that's all that matters. you got to be playing your best basketball when it matters the most, and that's here in the next two weeks, three weeks. Okay, so to this point, what could John Calipari or what should he have done differently? Ooh, a loaded question. Um, I mean, win close games, not – really the, the story this, this year, otherwise Kentucky would be in the one, two, three seed conversation. I still think they can get a three seed, but – uh, they again five losses by five points or fewer, and then more so, UK just doesn't lose at home. And they had a game one against Florida. They needed one free throw to make it a four point game. Robert Dillingham, who's a great free throw shooter, he misses the free throw. Florida comes down, hits the three. You lose that one in overtime. You lose to Gonzaga in a game that you were winning the majority of the second half. Gonzaga is not a very good team this year. You let them beat you at Rupp Arena. And then the UNC Wilmington loss, which happened in, in December, uh, that's a bad one. You take away those three, and all those were close games. I think seven points was the biggest margin of victory between those three. So that's kind of the uncharacteristic part, is this team is doing a little bit better away from home, worse at home. And you got to take care of home court. John Calipari had made such a, 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 done such a great job. At one point, had the best winning percentage inside Rupp Arena and this year just losing those games. And another thing is they've only played one game at full strength, one game. And we're not talking about like the 11th man was injured or the 10th man got suspended or something like that. We're talking about one game with one of their top seven players uh, available. They've only done it once. They won that game. And then about 20 minutes into it, Trey Mitchell got hurt. He's the fifth-year player from West Virginia who's been a really important piece for Kentucky. He's still out. He's missed the last couple games. He didn't play against LSU. He didn't play at Alabama. So people in Kentucky are also wondering, can John Calipari get this team healthy? It doesn't fall necessarily on John Calipari. It's not his fault when players get hurt. But this group, for all the struggles they've had, they still haven't been healthy. If they can get healthy, if it continues to move in the right direction, this is going to be a team you want to keep an eye on in your March Madness brackets. T.J. Walker of Kentucky Roll Call, curling the sports zone. So Alabama allows 117 on Saturday to Kentucky. How should we evaluate the tide the rest of the season? Yeah, they're a little trickier to me. I, I think they're really good, and they struggled in November and December, and they picked up losses. I think they had a stretch where they had lost five of seven. 
And then going into Rupp Arena, you wouldn't really know it, but they were the leaders in the SEC. And with that loss, I think they're now tied with Tennessee. They're a team that if shots are falling, they can beat anybody. I lean towards them being more likely to get upset. Uh, I just don't really trust their interior, and they've got some health issues as well as most teams are dealing with at this point. I don't trust their interior, and how good can Mark Sears be? He's been one of the best players in the SEC this year. I just don't see him – I just don't envision it. There's really no reason to think that he can't. He's been doing it in the SEC. I just don't see him leading Alabama on this March tournament run. So I think I'll probably have them going out a little earlier than some other teams in the SEC. If you're looking for an SEC team that's really, really hot right now, and they blew a game against Alabama, come to think of it, just about a week ago, they were up eight or 11 with about eight minutes to go, and Alabama stormed back and beat them. Florida's really good. They're really yeah. good. They're clicking at the right time. They're well coached, and they're a team built similar to Kentucky where at any point on the floor, all five guys can knock down a three. So if you're just kind of caught slipping a little bit or you're not quick to get out on the perimeter, they're going to make you pay. They have a relatively easy schedule to finish SEC play. They're probably going to be one of the top four seeds, which means you get a double bye in the SEC tournament. Would not be shocked in the slightest to see them playing on Sunday in the SEC championship game. And they're definitely a team in March that I could see coming out of maybe the four or five slot that, that knocks out the first one seed in the Sweet 16. Uh, you, you never really know. Do you, do you prefer the, the, the first and second round games to be crazy, filled with upsets, knowing that means we don't have as good as the Sweet 16 Elite Eight? Or do you want it to be a little bit chalkier so those Sweet 16 Elite Eight matchups are just prime time? Uh, I've been a long time advocate of, I do not like the first two days of the tournament because, uh, like there's, you know, there's a lot of bad games, quite frankly. And the one good game gets all the attention. And then the worst thing is it just makes the work the next round. Most of the teams that, you know, have those upsets in the first round get beat uh, frequently by, by a large margin of the second game. So I'm I'm not a big fan of the first first or first and second first first two days of the tournament. I know people go nuts, but I'm just hoping that all good teams win and we can get better games the rest of the tournament. <laughs> so that's just me. That's yeah. That's the thing is you you get all the craziness sometimes when you get a 16 or a 15 that are making these games close, and then people kind of forget about like the Saturday and Sunday slate. And it's yeah, like oh yeah. okay now you got to. This seven seed is a 15-point favorite over this 15 seed. It was fun for a time, but now you know you don't have as many games to look forward to. But we'll be here. Well, it'll be here before you know it. I'm aware of that, definitely. Okay, Kentucky tomorrow night they play in Mississippi State, which has won five in a row. Uh, Mississippi State won by 20 at LSU on Saturday. What should we pay attention to when we're watching the Kentucky and Mississippi State game? Yeah, so they played earlier this season. It was a game that Kentucky was cruising for a little bit. It was kind of a classic Kentucky game, at least at that point of the season, where enough moments where you just think that this team is really legitimately a top five, top ten team, and then there would be a stretch, and this stretch came late in the game after the game was kind of won, where you just can't envision how a team could be so bad and incompetent defensively. And Mississippi State ended up making that game probably a little, even with it being a 13-point win, a little bit closer than it probably should have been. This will be a different story. Things won't come as easy offensively for Kentucky tomorrow night down in Starkville. I would not be shocked if Mississippi State opened as a favorite or maybe Kentucky a slight favorite, like two points. It'll be a battle for Kentucky. And this is a game with Tulu Smith for Mississippi State, one of the best – 
entire SEC and maybe even all of college basketball, if you could have Trey Mitchell come back for this one. He was 50-50. He was questionable. Game time decision against Alabama. Obviously, he didn't play in that one. Obviously, you didn't need him in that one. You will need him tomorrow night, and you'll need a Duthie Arrow. That's Kentucky's muscle, a Duthie Arrow and Trey Mitchell. You're going to need some muscle on the front court. Zanamir Ivasic, Big Z, who had that big game, he's a seven foot three Croatian sensation. Uh, he, can, he can shoot threes as well as pretty much anybody with Kentucky. He's a freak. He had a fun, he's really, really fun to watch if you haven't gotten to check him out. He doesn't play a ton for Kentucky, but he got a lot of minutes on right, Saturday, right. 18 points, four blocks. Uh, he was, you're probably not going to be able to play him tomorrow night. You're going to. Foul trouble is going to be a big issue with him. If you can get his good shot blocking, that's going to be huge, but they're going to try to get him in foul trouble. So depth is going to be of concern for Kentucky. Foul trouble will be of concern of Kentucky. If you have Trey Mitchell, and assuming he's healthy enough to go, and I don't think they'd play him if he wasn't, I would guess Kentucky wins. If you don't have Trey Mitchell, this one's going to come down to the under-four timeout, and a bad call may sink Kentucky. Mississippi State getting hot could sink Kentucky. Uh, They'll be in for a dogfight no pun intended, against the Bulldogs if you don't have Trey Mitchell. If you do have him, I think you'll enough to squeak out a win. It'll be a tough one tomorrow night. Okay, we mentioned Auburn a couple of times here. How do we assess them moving forward? Yeah, it just kind of depends if you buy in their similar style to Kentucky. They're not totally different style to in to an Alabama. I think the difference between an Alabama and them for me is I, I, I trust Janai Broom a lot more than I trust anybody inside for for uh, Alabama in Auburn. I just I think it's nice to have a good post player, somebody that you can trust, and he's been in college basketball for a really really long time, but. Bruce Pearl's been to a Final Four with Auburn. I think this is probably his best chance maybe to get back. Just they seem like a pretty complete team, all things considered. Um, Defense is of concern for them as well. And the worst thing for Auburn is they don't play the NCAA tournament in Auburn, Alabama at Neville (laughs) Arena, unfortunately. And they've just been bad away from home. And sometimes neutral floor, it doesn't matter. There's been some Kentucky teams. The, the 2011 Kentucky team went to a Final Four. I think they won maybe one or two road games in conference play all year. They had a ton of losses, but they took care of business at home, and that was good enough. Sometimes these teams, they're, they're telling on themselves with how bad they are once they get out of their home building. They don't get the friendly officiating. So I think they're good. I think they're talented enough. I, I think Broom is kind of their, their straw that makes the entire drink go. They're in the same boat as Alabama and really the same boat as the Kentucky and even the same boat as the Florida. When you rely on offense that much, you're about shooting night in March from potentially just having your season over like that. Okay, uh, Tennessee. I mean, they've fallen short in some NCAA tournament pass. Uh, they doubt that they have Dalton Connect now as a big-time offensive player, something that uh, you know, Rick Barnes' teams have not usually had. Uh, so, do we believe more in Tennessee this March than we have in the past? I do, and I get crushed in Kentucky for saying that. I, I, I think they're really, really, really good. And Dalton Connect is the—he's the missing ingredient for Rick Barnes. And Rick Barnes has probably lost with worse teams, but I, I don't. This may be his best he's had at Tennessee, and that's saying something because he's had some really good teams there with Grant Williams and uh, Fulkerson was a weird name. If you don't follow SEC, you maybe have forgotten about him, but he was really good for Tennessee, weirdly enough. 
Uh, but that being said, when you had to rely on Vescovy and Ziegler to be your offense, that wasn't going to get it done. And it didn't get it done last year, and it didn't get it done the year before that. And that's why Dalton Connect was such a godsend for Tennessee to bring him, let him come in, let him be the offense. And he's such a mismatch problem. They list him at 6'6". I'm not buying it. He looks closer to 6'8 to me. Normally they, they, they will always give you the extra inches if you ask for them. But he seems taller than what they, they lead on. If you put somebody smaller on him, he's going to take him inside. You put somebody bigger in him, he's athletic enough to blow by him and then go dunk on the help defender. So he is a he, – what a steal for Barnes and the transfer portal to be able to get that guy. He's insanely talented. So then that allows Vescovi to be more of the general point guard uh, when, he play, when he has the ball in his hands, which normally they'll try to let Ziegler do that. But point being, they don't have to rely on their offense, either one of those two guys. And things will come a little bit easier for them, and that's good for the whole formula. But they're better on defense. And then they're good enough offensively, obviously, if they're an afterthought, they can, they can make you pay. But it's a really good team. It's a really good five, six people. Josiah Jordan-James, he's really come into his own. And these, those three people, Ziegler, Vescovy, and uh, JJJ, they've been in the program. This is their third year getting meaningful minutes for Tennessee, and some of them even longer than that. But to have that core, and then you bring in one of the best scorers in all of college basketball, if Rick Barnes blows it this year, if I'm a Tennessee fan, I may – I may be at my wit's end. At the one hand, you're Tennessee, so you'll take what you can get. But on the other hand, if you can't do it with this group, when are you going to do it? Okay, last up, which of these SEC teams do you think has the the best staying power in the NCAA tournament? It's going to be a fun year. It could be be the second weekend. We could be previewing a Sweet 16 where it's, wow, a a third of the the Sweet 16 is is SEC teams or – uh, I don't think it'd be half, but maybe a fourth of the Sweet 16 teams are SEC teams, or maybe it's the Sweet 16 only has one SEC team because the offense didn't carry into the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think your legitimate contenders are Kentucky, Auburn, Tennessee, I think, unfortunately, probably has the best chance to, to do something totally meaningful. <laughs> and then it just kind of depends where you stand on, on Alabama's of the world, South Carolina's of the world. South Carolina is an interesting team because that's a makeup really tough defensively, really, really physical. That's the makeup of a seven seed that beats a two seed. That's the makeup of a nine seed that beats a one seed. And they can do it. I don't know if I'm buying into them or not, but it's fun. It's fun to have the league this competitive. Ole Miss is a solid team. Mississippi State's a solid team. I don't think they're going to do anything in March. But normally you get – four teams in the SEC, maybe five, and you, you hope that maybe one or two of them can make some noise. Uh, it's a different ball game this year, but I definitely think you're going to see an SEC team in the Final Four, and I wouldn't even be shocked if you saw two SEC teams potentially in the Final Four like it was back in 2015, but you, you, you uh, also have a lot of guys that rely on offense and a lot of teams that rely on offense, and that's a little scary. You like to be a little bit more balanced, and that's not the name of the game of the SEC this year. But it, it, the overall talent, uh, it, it seems to just mean a little bit more in conference, not to steal that really. All right. You're going to kind of cut out here with TJ right now. I think he cut out on us before we cut out on him, but that was it. Uh, TJ Walker from Kentucky Roll Call. Uh, appreciate his time. Check out his work at Kentucky Roll Call. I like the name of the, of the, of the, uh, of the publication there. Or website, the combination thereof. Next segment, phone call time. 
to you, from you. 602-260-1060. Also, we'll get to some bottom line answers from today's pipeline and time pending some local roundup stuff. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. It's time for today's local roundup. And welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KTUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to local roundup, if you want to jump aboard quickly, phone call time. Got to get in right now, though. 602-260-1060. First up, some bottom line questions from today's pipeline. Of course, the KDUS poll question today at uh, KDUS1060.com and the X poll questions. We'll answer those during the extra point in the noon hour, hosted by Kayla. So stay tuned for that. But the questions today, the dot com poll question today, which uh, star dominated team is uh, more likely to make a playoff run, the Suns or the Lakers? And the X poll question, should the Cubs be favored to win the NL Central after the uh, after they re-signed Valley product Cody Bellinger over the weekend? We'll answer once again those poll questions uh, during the uh, 1230 segment of the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. All right, on to the rest of the extra point, the uh, pipeline questions, I should say. Uh, first up, did ASU figure out something in their win against Washington State? Uh, ASU didn't really... F- do a whole lot, quite frankly, uh, out of the ordinary. Well, they did something out of the ordinary. They made shots, which is something that what a, what a concept that is, but something that we have seldom seen ASU do this year. But the biggest reason ASU won on Saturday is because Washington State just doesn't know how to deal with success. They haven't had a chance to deal with success very much. It took about 10 minutes into the game or maybe even less than that to determine that Washington State had a hangover basketball-wise. Uh, from their Thursday night victory in Tucson against the U of A. Meanwhile, did the uh, speaking of the U of A, did we learn anything in the game against Washington? And we didn't learn anything about the U of A on Saturday. They scored 52 points in the first half. They led by 23 in the second half. After the lead got cut to nine, they started to care again, and they won by 16. And uh, Washington, as we mentioned, you know, more times than not uh, in recent weeks and even last week when they beat ASU, they're not good. In fact, I would assume Mike Hopkins, uh, their coach, is going to get fired at the end of the season. Meanwhile, uh, also from the the pipeline today, uh, what needs to be done in college basketball to alter or prevent the court storming? Um, This is – the idea that this is actually – you know, become a major, major, and it is a major, major problem is absurd. 
I, I don't have a solution for the problem, though. It was something we've talked about occasionally in the past. I remember there's a kid that got run over in a South Carolina game many years ago who was, like, in hospitalized for weeks, uh, and that never stopped anything. Uh, there are stupid people on earth, basically. This stupid, quote, tradition will continue as long as there are stupid people on earth. And uh, I'm guessing during our lifetime, no matter how young or old you are, there's going to be stupid people on earth. Meanwhile, uh, which SEC team will have NCAA tournament success, have the most, most, uh, most likely? I actually think that Kentucky is the most talented SEC team, but I think that they have the second best, they might even have the second best rostered in college basketball behind only UConn. But Tennessee, with its best offense in years, while still being a good defensive team, which they've been pretty much every year that uh, Rick Barnes has been there, I think Tennessee actually has the best chance for NCAA tournament success this season, long term NCAA tournament success this season. All right, we will get to plenty on the uh, U of A and ASU in the extra point hosted by Kayla. I'm sure we'll get to more Suns too, but just a couple of quick things about the Suns yesterday. They beat the Lakers uh, for the second time in five meetings this season. They had a 15-1 run, gave them a 38-20 lead still in the first quarter yesterday. The uh, Suns ended up winning 123-113. The Lakers made a pair of phony runs in this game. Those came when surprisingly – Pun intended, basically not surprisingly. The Lakers made a couple of phony runs when the Suns bench was on the floor. Suns bench isn't any good when everybody's healthy. Yesterday they were shorthanded, so their bench was even worse uh, than usual. Uh, so they're clearly the Lakers made some, you know, made some hay, like everybody does when the Suns bench is on the floor. And that happened yesterday. But the Suns were never in legitimate danger of blowing yet another fourth quarter lead, something that they've done more than any team in the NBA this season. No team has blown more fourth quarter leads than the Phoenix Suns, but not yesterday because the Lakers, they've got more problems than the Suns have, quite frankly. Uh, that the Suns, after being outplayed the final three quarters in that Friday night game when they blew the game against the Rockets, uh, they lost that game 114 to 110. Uh, but the Suns, uh, they actually entered yesterday eighth in the Western Conference standings. And I told you Friday, I'm going to tell you this every day until now until the end of the regular season, I assume. These standings are going to change every day uh, between spots five through eight and maybe even five through ten uh, before the season ends because teams are so bunched up. Suns uh, you know, entered the uh Ended the weekend, at least on Friday. Uh, you know, they ended up like fifth. They were fifth in the division. They went to sixth, then they went to eighth, and now they're back to sixth. So that's going to happen every day in this conference uh, from now until the end. Uh, the biggest thing yesterday is that Yusuf Nurkic, uh, I think, significantly outplayed Anthony Davis yesterday. Uh, considering the opponent uh, being Davis, I think that that was without a doubt. Uh, Nurkic's best game with the Suns. He had played 37 minutes to start with. That's, you know, he kind of had to. Uh, he had 18 points, 22 rebounds, seven assists. And as we've been saying for weeks, Nurkic is the Suns' best passer. That's good for Nurkic. It's not good when one of your guards is not your best passer, but they don't really have any guard that's a particularly good passer. Uh, Davis did finish with 22 points and 14 rebounds. Those are really meaningless stats. He actually had you know, four points at a halftime. 
He had zero free throw attempts, Anthony Davis, yesterday, the entire game. Zero for the entire game. Suns without Bradley Beal, who missed another game with a hamstring injury. Eric Gordon was out on Saturday because of a left groin soreness. Uh, meanwhile, with uh, you know, with Beal and Gordon out, Royce O'Neal started. He played 37 minutes, finished with 20 points, 10 rebounds, and 4 assists. Uh, you know, statistically speaking, the Suns, a bad rebounding team. Not yesterday. They're plus 17 on the boards because the Lakers are the second-worst rebounding team in the NBA. Uh, the Suns, a 22-10 to 10 edge in second-chance points. That's a category the Suns have been crushed in uh, most of their losses this season. Lakers can't rebound, so not a problem yesterday. Uh, the Lakers uh, did win in the season series three games to two, as it turns out. Meanwhile, the Suns now 33-24. and 24. They've won eight straight home games. Uh, they don't play again until Thursday night when they host the lowly Rockets, who beat the Suns on Friday night in Houston. But they play here on Thursday night. The Rockets now 25-31 and 31 on the season. All right, when we come back, we'll wrap up the sports zone with the National Roundup. Uh, we'll have a few other things. Uh, well, actually, there's not exactly a uh, – you know, there's one college basketball game that I think is kind of worth paying attention to tonight. We'll talk about that a little bit, the latest line in that contest, and actually have a, a selection in this game. Um, so we'll throw that out in the next segment. We'll get to a little for college basketball. Yesterday, Michigan State loses another home game. They had a horrendous week last week, losing two home games to Iowa and Ohio State. Teams that aren't even, you know, Ohio State's, they wouldn't even, they wouldn't be in the tournament if they were the only team invited. They would... Uh, they would not accept the accept the bid. They would stay home, uh, but they won at Michigan State yesterday. We'll get into that a little bit on that that game and, and a few other things in the next segment, right here in uh, KDUS AM 1016, KSLX HD2 100.7. Show Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD2 100.7. College basketball tonight. Slim schedule, uh, but one game I do want to point out, TCU a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Baylor. Total 148-and-a-half. Baylor goes overtime on Saturday, loses an overtime at home in a game that Baylor uh, could, you know, certainly could have won. Uh, now they go on the road to face TCU. I like TCU in this game tonight. I want to trust them a little bit more than, uh, you know, I got, I got buried by TCU a couple of years ago, and I really liked them. Last year, I thought they were pretty good. They beat ASU in the tournament, but I think it's just a bad spot for Baylor. Uh, less than you know, two days after they played a you know hellacious game, and that's a physical game when you always play Houston. So I like TCU tonight against Baylor. Whatever the best number you can get, and two and a half seems to be the prevailing number out there. Uh, yesterday in college basketball, Devin Royal came off the bench to score 14 points, and Dale Bonner hit the game-winning three-pointer. Ohio State defeated Michigan State in East Lansing, 60-57. to uh, Royal and Bonner uh, hardly ever played uh, when Chris Holtman was the coach, but Holtman got fired on Valentine's Day, and uh, those two guys have played a lot more. 
uh, since uh, the, you know the coaching change and so forth, and they're basically you know two of the biggest reasons they won yesterday. Royal made six out of eight coming off the bench. Terrible week for Michigan State. Uh, they're going to make the NCAA tournament because they have to have 68 teams. I hear in the NCAA tournament, which is unfortunate because this year there's certainly not 68 teams that are worthy of playing in the NCAA tournament. But Michigan State's going to be one of them. And uh, everybody will pick Michigan State in their pool because Tom Izzo in the tournament. And they did make the Elite Eight last year with four of the same five starters they have this year. But it has been a really rocky road for Michigan State. A couple quick things from the NFL. The Rams, uh, they don't mind Sean Desai. Uh, he was you know, ripped and demoted and fired in Philadelphia as a defensive coordinator. But uh, you know, you know, the Rams hired him over the weekend. He's going to be part of their defensive staff. Speaking of the Eagles, A.J. Brown denied uh, multiple reports that he wants to leave the Eagles. He was very public about that. The Jags are expected to franchise tag uh, edge rusher Josh Allen. That will be $24 million on that franchise, franchise tag for the edge rusher. Also, a couple other things. Xavier Howard will not be retained uh, by the Dolphins. He's a four-time Pro Bowl corner, but he's also been injured for a decent chunk of the last couple of seasons. Uh, the Saints restructuring the contract of Derek Carr. They're the kings of restructuring contracts. Uh, the Rams uh, re-signed also Demarcus Robinson, who would have been a really nice free agent fit for the Cardinals. In fact, I mentioned him a couple weeks ago as a possibility for the Cardinals, but not now because the Rams are going to keep him as their third receiver, uh, third wide receiver. And the Cardinals, uh, one of their former draft picks, Mason Cole, uh, was let go over the weekend and released by the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, next segment, or next hour, next two hours, I should say. I'll get this figured out. That's it for the Sports Zone, which is probably a good thing because I don't know what I'm supposed to say now. The Extra Point coming up next, the next two hours, hosted by Kayla. Hopefully I'll still have an employment uh, situation, and I'll get to hang around for the next two hours. You're listening to the Sports Zone. We appreciate it with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. 